Coast-to-Coast.io. Welcome to the Coast to Coast podcast. You're back here with episode 21. I'm your host, Kyle Creasy. And today I'm joined by a guest that I was able to bring on. I was able to get a hold of him on Twitter. Um, Stephen Kagan, is that how you say it? Okay. And Stephen uh, hosts a Twitter account uh, called NBA underscore university, I believe. Is that right? That's right. And he is probably one of the fastest growing NBA Twitter accounts at the moment. Um, just happened to DM him and luckily he saw it. Saw it. Um, we got in touch and we were able to work all this out. But Steven is also a contributor to the Orlando Magic Daily. So Steven, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and what all you do on a daily basis? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So um, I have a full-time job working with Texas BSM and I'm getting my master's right now. So that's kind of my non-basketball world. Um, and then, yeah, I'm a contributor to Orlando Magic Daily. I grew up in Florida, a huge Magic fan, uh, recently moved out to Dallas, but my heart is still back in Orlando at the Magic. So I'm writing for them. Um, and yeah, just working on NBA University, working on uh, trying to write some more and make some more things and just kind of see where this takes me. So thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Um, man, I think whenever I followed you, it, it couldn't have been any longer than three or four weeks ago. You were probably sitting like right over 10K. And now here you are. Your stuff is getting spread like crazy. And you've made your way to I mean, are you at 20,000 yet or are you just short? Knocking on the door. Yeah. Okay. I think okay. I'm at like nineteen five. So how's it been for you to just see this crazy growth? So for, for people who, who don't know, the, the stuff that I see and the stuff I like to engage with, Stephen posts a lot of like, you might see like these graphs or these charts or something, and they make sense. Like, it's not like it's just some advanced analytic that you're like, oh my gosh, what is this? Like, it makes sense within the four layers of the graph, and it shows all kinds of players and they're so cool to look at and that's the stuff that i found the most intriguing like what got you into that and how's it been to just see the growth of it in the past month yeah uh it's been pretty crazy for sure um i remember i had some friends visiting and it was like the end of um or like the middle of july like it was like july 20th or something and i had um, like 7,000 followers when they were here. And then <laughs> the following week, I like almost doubled. Um, just, I don't know what happened. I think some, the algorithm just liked what it was seeing apparently. <laughs> and a lot of people <laughs> responded. So that was definitely crazy. I'm still sort of like figuring out what to do with, uh, with like the amount of followers that I'm getting, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's been really cool. It's been fun. Um, I got into the, just like statistical side of basketball, just as a fan, really. I mean, I grew up playing, I played in high school um, and I, my siblings played and then I coached a little bit, um, just coached high school for a bit. And then uh, I got into, yeah, I just got into like the statistical side, the analytical side, um, just listening to people, uh, podcasts and reading articles about it. And I found that really interesting. I liked uh, how it highlighted that part of the game. And I was able to kind of connect that with my understanding of the X's and O's to have a more like holistic understanding of what's going on in the court. Um, and then and early on in my uh, like creating NBA university, I got in contact with the guys from basketball index or b-ball index. Yeah. Um, and they have been super helpful in uh, allowing me to post things and, um, and just kind of like market them in a way and like 
by me marketing them and them retweeting me. I've been marketed as well. So uh, we've had a really cool relationship there. And I think they've enjoyed how I can sort of wade through all the stats and like pick out things that actually correlate and make sense. Like you were saying, like, and, and it's not like uh, just fuzzy and difficult to understand. It's like pretty straightforward. It explains one part of the game of basketball and it allows you to just kind of look at it and enjoy it. Um, and that was my goal. I always wanted to make it like accessible and interesting to actually talk about stats instead of it just being sort of objective and robotic and a slog. So that was the idea. And uh, I found a nice little niche so far. I'm excited to kind of keep building it out and see where it goes. Yeah, that's awesome. And I mean, I have no doubt that you're only going to continue to grow. I mean, that's the type of stuff in the way NBA Twitter is, you're only going to get more and more engagement as you continue to do it. So that's awesome, man. Um, how long have you been contributing to Orlando Magic Daily now? Um, I started at a really similar time that I started NBAU, so be like May, so not super long. Okay. Um, but we kind of got in towards like the end of the season, and then I've just been writing some off-season articles and stuff. So a lot of a lot of stuff about draft picks and, and yeah. things like that. Yeah, naturally stuff, stuff that we are definitely going to get into in this episode. So awesome, man! Um, again, glad you come on. But now we definitely have a lot to talk about with the Orlando Magic. So. Uh, first, you know, what I want to talk about, um, obviously some great lottery luck for the magic this year, winning the first overall pick, uh, if I'm not mistaken, was who, when was the last time they had the first pick? Was it? It was Dwight Howard. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I thought it was Dwight. Yeah. I didn't think think it went all the way back to Shaq. Okay. Mm -hmm. So Dwight. Yes. Um, so first, first time they had the first pick since that. Um, you know, they also had a draft selection at 32, uh, mm-hmm. where they took Caleb Houston. I mean, everybody knows who they took at number one. We don't even have to say it, but <laughs> Paolo Bancaro. Um, so what was going on for you guys? I mean, for the NBA world, it was already kind of crazy, but especially mm-hmm. in the magic fan base and people in the magic world, uh, it, it just seemed like I mean, maybe, maybe you had a different view, but it, it really seemed like Jabari Smith was going to be the one that was taken number one overall. Was that the same consensus? with you guys writing about the team as well? So one thing that (laughs) Magic fans know very well is how silent our front office is about everything. Uh, It's it's been a a point of frustration, I think, for a lot of fans, like not being able to hear any updates about like a Jonathan Isaac coming back from injury or not being able to hear anything about Markel Fultz. And it's just sort of stuff where it's like, uh, why can we never hear anything at all, but they just don't leak anything. It's like a cultural, a cultural standpoint for, um, Waltman and Hammond. So from the very beginning, when we got the number one pick, all the magic fans were like, stop saying, you know what we're going to do. Stop <laughs> saying like, you're sure about this because nobody knows and no one is going to know until the day. But then, you know, like after a month of hearing every single day that, all right, it's a two man race. It's either Chet or Jabari. And then like kind of towards the end, like Woj is tweeting like, all right, yeah, it's probably going to be Jabari. There's, there's a part of us where that we're like, wow, I guess, I guess it is Jabari. This is weird. Like I would have never expected Orlando's front office to leak anything, but I mean, how are we to, you know, refute God himself Woj. So uh, we were like, um, 
yeah, I guess it is. I don't know. We we're surprised. We're like, man, I guess we can't say that they don't leak anything anymore. And then five minutes before the draft, <laughs> it, uh, it all comes to fruition that it was actually Palo the whole time. And that's who they wanted. And that's who they were going to pick. Um, and definitely some minds were blown. Some magic fans, there was a little section of magic fans that were like obsessed with Palo who, uh, were super excited that we were taking him and, it was a cool day. It was just really shocking. We, I think all of us were just like, including the NBA world, we're just surprised at that point. But in the back of our minds, we all knew that our front office is just sneaky like that. That's how they do things. That's hilarious. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, they took Palo at one. Like we said, they took Houston at 32. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was just the immediate thoughts with the second round pick? I know it was a second round pick, but, you know, saw a guy with good size coming out of Michigan, was a great shooter there. You know, what was the thoughts as soon as you guys selected him at 32? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm happy with Caleb. I think uh, taking a shot on pedigree uh, at, you know, in the early second is a totally legitimate thing to do. He was a top 10 recruit coming in six, eight. He could shoot. That's kind of the hope is that he could just come in and fill that role. Part of the struggle is determining whether guys that have pedigree are going to have the mentality of being willing to be a role player. A lot of those guys grew up as the best player on their team and expected to be an NBA star. Um, but he came into summer league right away and he was just filling lanes in transition and running around and getting offensive rebounds and hitting spot up threes. And he just looked like the exact kind of guy that the magic haven't really had. And that just like floor spacing role player, if he can just come in and, and try to be cam Johnson in his career, I mean, that would be, that would be really great. So I'm, I'm happy with the selection. I was happy with the upside of it at the time and it's looking pretty good. He already got signed to his contract. So exciting times for Caleb. I hope he comes in and, and gets some minutes this year. Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. You can never have too many just floor spacers that know how to play the game yeah. of basketball. It's pretty much ideal in today's game if you're not mm-hmm. a star. Um, so, you know, glad you said something about Summer League, just going into both of those guys' Summer League performance. Obviously, you know, you don't take Summer League as anything crazy or use it to justify what somebody may or may not do in the league. But I think it is safe to say that both showed a lot of good signs in their Summer League play. Uh, you know, most people were very impressed with Paolo as a whole. Um, you know, some people were like, oh, the turnovers, but it's like, come on, man. You know, like you don't, you, you just don't want to, you don't want to look at the small things and immediately say that just because he turned the ball over some in summer league means that whenever he's playing with a group of better guys, for instance, <laughs> right. on the magic in an actual NBA game, that, that it's going to go that way. Like, I think we saw a lot of great flashes from him as a scorer and in transition, and with Houston, you know, you saw some of the floor spacing, like you said. Now, how do you think that these guys mesh onto this team? You know, just kind of broadly, and we'll talk about it as we go. But how do you think they mesh going forward? And do you think, obviously, Paolo will more than likely start and play, but do you think Houston could have a role in year one? Um, yeah, I mean, definitely Paolo um, is going to be featured. Uh, we've needed an offensive initiator for quite some time. Um, so he's going to just come in, be that guy um, in tandem with Wagner and Fultz. Uh, he's definitely going to be able to have a, a big imprint on the offense right away. Um, and he did, he looked excellent in summer league. I think, yeah, it's hard to take away just like statistics from summer league. It's just kind of like whatever, everything is skewed and weird and small sample size, but it's really like you can glean something from how guys look, um, I think physical traits are really interesting to to look at um, in summer league. And he, he popped for sure. He's, 
huge 6'10", 250, and he moved like a guard. And that's something we knew from college, but the floor is at least a little more spaced in summer league. Yeah. Um, and it'll be even more spaced in the NBA. So he oh. looked really good out in space. So that was exciting. And yeah, he's going to come in and play big minutes, I'm sure. Um, he should definitely be one of the favorites, if not the favorite for rookie of the year. He's probably yeah. going to put up some pretty good statistics this year. And then Houston, yeah, it'll be tough. It'll be tough to get on the court just based on... There's actually a like, surprisingly pretty good amount of depth on Orlando's team. Um, I think a lot of it will depend on if we trade guys, if we get rid of Harris or Ross um, or Hampton, maybe uh, depending on just kind of how things are going this season, that'll be what ends up creating space for Houston. Um, But for now, my guess would be he is kind of just getting some spot minutes to just see how he looks, but nothing too much more than that. Um, until Ross is gone. I think Ross is probably the main guy who, who is likely to get traded. I think we really like Harris. I think Harris could end up starting actually, um, which might surprise some people, but I just, his shooting is going to be really important, especially alongside Fultz who can't. Uh, so putting Fultz and Suggs together is a little tricky. And then Cole kind of is like his own little offense. (laughs) So it makes sense for him to run the second unit. So I wouldn't be surprised if Harris was starting and then Houston can kind of come in, um, and and knock down shots and play that Terrence Ross role, uh, once Ross gets traded, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this team going into this year, like you said, I think there's a lot of good pieces, you know, the magic for a little bit. Back in 2019, seventh seed, 2020, eighth seed. I think it was five game series in both of those. I think they were able to grab one against both Toronto mm-hmm. and Milwaukee. And then, um, you know, at 2021 season, it comes and they were finally like, okay, it's time to blow this up. Like this isn't, this isn't a formula for success anymore. Seventh, eighth seed's not going to get us anywhere. It's time to go into more of a rebuild stage. And so they did trade at the deadline. Uh, Vucevic, Aaron Gordon, and Evan Fournier. All mm-hmm. it's kind of wild to look back at that they did move all three of those guys at the trade deadline. Um, you know, acquiring back assets that include Wendell Carter Jr., Gary Harris, R.J. Hampton, uh, and multiple first-round picks. One of which has turned into Franz Wagner uh, to this point. Um, you know, I I think a lot of people. Uh, not just myself that weren't part of the magic community kind of viewed the trade as a win for the magic, even whenever it happened, but especially looking back on it now, how much do you think the moves already paid off and like could even more so pay off with the, with I think that they have Chicago's pick next year, you know, mm-hmm. not saying Chicago won't be a good team or anything, but maybe there is another scenario where, the Bulls are in the play and that falls to lottery and you end up with a lottery pick because we go back to those trades at that deadline. So how much do you think all those moves have already in about two years paid off? Yeah. I mean, you hit on it. They they've paid off in a huge way. I mean, it's a huge plus um, on the resume of this front office. Like they were able to navigate uh, unloading those guys. They traded Vooch at his absolute like peak of value, uh, which is hard to do, man, as like with an aging center, like it's, it's tricky to actually get good value. Um, and they found the right partner. Wendell was arguably just as good as Vooch last year, which is yeah, pretty, I mean, like, pretty crazy. Sorry to cut you off. Here, no, you're good. I couldn't believe even at the time that they were able to get both Wendell and two first out of that deal. Yeah. Yeah, that deal was was definitely the value was was really crazy. And it's like we love Orlando fans definitely love Vooch. Like he of the last 
iteration of this team. He's definitely the one that's like has the biggest place in our hearts. Um, was great for the city, was like a great player for us, but there was, I think there's a certain like tax you have to take off of his uh, stats based on how awful our team was offensively for so long. Like he was, he was the end all be all for our team. And I think, you know, maybe Chicago got a little, little over alert with uh, what he could do and what, you know, a big center who can't really move his feet can do on defense um, is a, is a tricky thing to build around. Uh, so yeah, we got crazy value for that. Wendell is awesome. He had some injury stuff heading into this season um, and he was pretty, pretty healthy this whole year and the injury stuff allowed us to sign him to a ridiculous contract. Like he has to be on one. Unbelievable. Of the contracts <laughs> yeah. Now. Yeah. It's a descending deal. So by 2026, he's going to be making 10 million a year, Oh my! God. which is, <laughs> which is crazy. That's like roll, like backup money. Um, so yeah, at like his numbers are like 15, 16 right now, right? Yeah. It's like 15 now. I think it's like, yeah, like 15, 14, 13, 11, and then 10, five or something like that in the last year. So Definitely by the time we're ready to compete, he's barely going to be taking up any of the salary. It'll be like 5% of the salary. So yeah, yeah, super good contract there. Kind of lucked into that one. And then, yeah, the Wagner pick, I mean, he was way better than anybody thought uh, he was going to be. Everyone was kind of just like, yeah, you know, like pretty high floor, low ceiling guy. Like he might be like a really high end role player starter. And then he came in last year and he was excellent. Like I watched probably, I don't know. 75 of our games last year and he was easily him and Wendell were the two most consistent guys and like offensively he was our best player last year especially when uh he was kind of given the reins to to work and actually take some shots and not sort of blend into the background like anytime there were 17 different games he attempted 15 or more field goal attempts and in those games he averaged 23 5 and 3 on like 50 percent shooting and 39 percent from three so it was like he scaled his game really well. And he was surrounded by like Geely guys half the year. We had so many injuries, so he's paid off huge. So that was just amazing. Um, the Gordon trade is, is solid. I mean, we got Harris. Yeah. Hampton hasn't quite worked out yet. We, we like him, but it's, uh, it's, it's a little up and down with, with RJ. Um, we're hoping he kind of leans into trying to be more of a three and D and less of, trying to be like a primary initiator. Cause that just never, ever goes well. Um, yeah. But he's he, had some flashes, you know, he was a prospect that I liked when he was coming into the draft. Mm-hmm. It's just, nothing's just clicked to this point. Yet. Yeah. There's a, there's a feel thing that isn't quite, uh, isn't quite there, but he's athletic and he, he could play defense and he's a pretty decent spot up shooter. He's, he wasn't great off the dribble, but when he was spotting up, he was pretty consistent. So I feel like it, that's his path, kind of like a KCP if he can, uh, if he can lean into that role, but we'll see about that. But yeah, man, we're super happy about it. The last rebuild felt like hell on earth for 10 straight years. We just, there was never hope. We were never going anywhere. I was just banking on like Aaron Gordon and like hopefully turning into an all-star <laughs> and it just wasn't great. And, and I think this is, this is so much newer and fresher. Um, and there's way more hope abounding, uh, this time around. So we're excited. Yeah, it has to be. Um, and then, you know, going into that offseason, like we've mentioned, you guys had both the fifth and the eighth pick because of the Chicago pick, which was eighth. Um, you did draft Jalen Suggs at five and you drafted Franz at eight, like we talked about. Um, the Suggs pick was kind of interesting because nobody, uh, from what I remember, thought that Suggs was going to fall to five. It was the mm-hmm. consensus was that Toronto was going to pick him at four. At least that's what we thought. And then come draft day, Toronto scoops up Scotty Barnes. Obviously, turned out to be a great pick on their part. But 
something that at the time we were like, whoa, like Suggs has slid to the magic. Like that's it's a great pick. And, mm-hmm. you know, the first year there were some struggles uh, for sure for Suggs. Um, you know, probably not what you guys had hoped for to pick, but, you know, did definitely showed flashes. And, um, you know, there, there's potential for the guy. So what are, what are your guys' thoughts on Suggs going forward and kind of how he can build off of what was a struggling overall year one? Yeah, he uh, he definitely had had his trouble finding his pace um, as a young guard, which a lot of young guards do. He never quite knew when to speed it up and slow it down. And um, that resulted in a lot of turnovers and a lot of bad shots. Um, he also had some injury stuff. He, he broke his thumb and uh, he had a messed up ankle that he got surgery on this summer. Um, so there's some stuff that kind of hindered him there. Um, some of the learning curve stuff, and it just didn't quite gel offensively. I think defensively, he was actually excellent um, at the point of attack. He was probably the best rookie guard uh, defender last year. It was like, Io um, in Chicago and oh, no maybe Dav- Davion Mitchell in uh, Sacramento, but both of those guys are older. You know, those are those guys are are twenty three and twenty two or twenty four and twenty two. Um, so Suggs to come in as a twenty year old and do that um, is really really cool, really encouraging for him long term. Uh, it did appear that he might not be for a while, or if maybe ever be like a lead on your point guard, organizing your offense guy, Um, which granted it's his rookie year. So there could be growth there. You can kind of be like the hope is sort of like a Kyle Lowry trajectory. I think there where it's like physical guard, smart can play great defense um, and then can like hit some threes um, here and there and can sort of run things to a certain degree, but isn't like a, I'm running, you know, 40 pick and rolls a game kind of guy. That would be the hope for like a drew holiday kind of thing, which obviously those two guys are all stars and great players. Like that would be the, probably the ceiling. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the hope he can kind of go into that combo guard realm where he's just super physical and can, and can do his thing. And I think there's room, there's a lot of room for growth. I mean, he struggled to shoot really badly last year and like the turnovers were bad. He would just go through stretches. You could see where he had confidence and then you could see where he didn't. Um, and he would start dribbling off his foot and throwing it away. Um, so to be able to work through that and hopefully this summer he'll be able to get back to being a good shooter. I mean, he was a solid shooter in college and the hope was he would kind of take a leap, um, like into the NBA instead he, you know, took a step back, which isn't the most encouraging, but some of the, the mechanics and like things like that are solid. And, and the hope is that there was just some confidence struggles and, and, you know, some rookie guard stuff, which happens to a lot of guys. So we're still, we're still high on Suggs. I think he could end up coming off the bench this year um, and maybe working his way into playing the two, if the shot is falling enough uh, to kind of supersede Gary Harris, but that's where we're at on Jalen. Yeah. I mean, I, I can totally see why you guys are still high on him. I mean, you know, like, like I mentioned, definitely showed some flashes last year and, you know, he's a great athlete. And like you said, you know, young guards, it's it's not the best thing for them to come in and have all these keys. It's a base, a learning process for sure. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, definitely can't just sit there and look at his year one and be like, oh, he's done. So he'll be fun to watch going into this year. Um, you know, also last offseason, you guys hired a new coach in uh, Jamal Mosley. Um, what was your satisfaction like? I mean, I know I know the team was at the rebuild and kind of just it was just, it was. Mm-hmm. Purely like a development type year, but you know, just some things that you saw, what was the satisfaction level with Jamal Mosley in year one? Yeah, we're happy with Mose. I think he would even admit that like he grew throughout the season as well, um, where 
his rotations started to make a little more sense. And like some of the things he was doing schematically uh, started to kind of fall into place, which he was a rookie coach as well. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, he was trying to navigate the ridiculous amount of players we had out last year between tanking and uh, just injury struggles. So he, he did a great job. I think uh, his energy and like his infectiousness there uh, is a huge part of these young guys feeling really comfortable. Like they very clearly love Mose, which I think is a big deal for, for young players. Um, they gravitate towards him as a former player and like, as just like a, a kind dude. Uh, I think a lot of the, the players appreciate him. He kind of gets in the mix and like, will actually play with them in practice. And like, okay. there's videos of him, like kind of banging in the post with Palo and like, you know, Moses big is like six, eight. So yeah. uh, he could, he can hang down there and, um, just being able to, to witness that, like, is a really cool thing. And, and I liked what he did last year, especially to, uh, defensively, um, or offensively, he actually didn't run a ton of sets. He, he sort of just let guys go out there and make mistakes and just play ball. Um, so they could focus a lot of their capacity on the, the defensive end and actually like coming to understand those concepts first, um, and letting guys sort of feel it out on the offensive end, which I think was wise. It, it allowed us to actually have a really solid defensive base last year. Second half of the season, uh, we were sixth in defensive efficiency in the league, which is pretty crazy for a team with as awful of a record as we had. So, um, I think he did some really nice things and I think, uh, he was smart about getting, guys minutes who needed to get minutes. Um, my hope would be that he tries to, he ensures that he features the players who should be featured. Like Franz Wagner, I think sometimes kind of drifted into the background and like Mose maybe could have um, elevated him more, gave him some more opportunities, especially towards the end of the year where we weren't going anywhere anyway. Like, let's just see what we have in Franz. Yeah. Um, but overall, super happy, super satisfied with his performance, excited to see year two of, of his game plan. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we're talking about that last offseason. You've kind of hit on it a little bit. But then going into this past season, uh, they did finish at 22 and 60, which was last in the East and second worst in the league. But, you know, we've touched on it multiple times. was a clear rebuild year. The goal was not to go out and make the play-in tournament this year. Um, you know, you touched on it earlier. Did see very strong seasons from Franz Wagner and Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, definitely look like two great pieces to have as you're going forward. Um, and then I, Markel Fultz was my most improved player pick last year. And <laughs> nice. Then at the beginning, I was kind of like, okay, I like what I see. And then the injury. Uh -huh. and so, uh, but it, it did look like a jump with him was coming last year, e even if it wasn't like a full on most improved player jump. Right. It was like some jump was coming. And, uh, we touched on Suggs a little bit, um, uh, but Gary Harris, I think, has proven to be like a solid player to have on this team. It's not just like they just kind of got him and part of that Aaron Gordon deal. I think especially going forward for this team that might have like play in or playoff aspirations with the core to go ahead and start trying to win some games. Mm -hmm. I think it's a really nice piece to have in there. Um, but also no Jonathan Isaac this year, um, which was, you know, weird. But uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like things things seems like things are trending in the right way with him um, going forward. But this season, um, you know, we knew what to expect a little bit, and then that kind of trended into this past off season that has almost finished to this point. But you guys did re-sign Mo Bamba, Bobo, and Gary Harris, and the Gary Harris was like a it was. 
did it work out where it was like an extension type thing or something? Like I was reading something where like he could be moved. He still could be moved in the near future or something like something like that. It wasn't like a full on. Okay. We're, I don't know. Maybe, you know, the details to it, but I just remember seeing something like that, that it wasn't like your traditional just sign him and he can't be traded till like January or whatever. Right. Yeah. He has just like a, they added a two year, two year 26 onto the end of that contract instead okay. of like a, the same normal resign structure. Okay. And do you have, do you know whenever he could be trade eligible with that? I think it was like 30 days, something okay, like that. Yeah. So okay. yeah, so I definitely saw that sooner glad, than, yeah. Okay. I'm glad you knew those details. Cause I knew that I saw something like that to where if something were to happen wherever they could still move Harris at any mm-hmm. point, basically. So, you know, that's a nice little deal just in case you want some flexibility with some, mm-hmm. um, uh, one thing that really threw me off was no Terrence Ross trade. I thought that, I thought that guy was gone. Uh, do you think there's a, maybe a reason why, or do you think it might be because of an asking price, or do you think that they just genuinely want Terrence Ross to be a part of the team? Yeah, my guess would be an asking price thing. Like they're just like, hey, we want a first round pick for this guy, and we're just mm-hmm. gonna kind of wait wait until we get one. You know, is <laughs> yeah. somebody will get desperate for a shooter at some point. Um, but he's also like he's a good vet. Like people people like Terrence Ross. Um, the fan base loves Terrence Ross. Like he's been awesome for us. Um, so if he sticks around and like good culture guy, gets some minutes in there, like we're not going to be mad. He was <laughs> kind of awful last year. Cause he just wasn't really, wasn't really trying, yeah. uh, which is fair. You know, I, you know, we're not even mad at him for that, but he has expressed recently on his, his own podcast that like he wants to, uh, he wouldn't be mad about like sticking around and he thinks this team could have some serious like playoff aspirations and like, he's excited to be a part of it if he's still around. So it's a little weird, definitely. Cause everyone was just like, yeah, Terrence Ross is probably getting traded and then yeah. he's still here. But, uh, I think if anybody can kind of take it in stride, Terrence Ross can. So we'll see my, my guess would be at the least he's probably traded at the trade deadline, but that. That's my exact thoughts. I think he's probably gone deadline this year. And I guess my, my biggest reasoning as to why I think that is, you know, like you said, it was not the best Terrence Ross season last season, but, you know, can't really blame the guy. But I do think that you'll see kind of the Terrence Ross, the good role player that you're used to, because I think the, that this Magic team going into this season will have more of an emphasis on winning mm-hmm. basketball games. Right. And so teams will be more attracted to maybe throw in a first round pick. Exactly. From, from this trade deadline. Exactly. So, I I do think he's still gone uh, this season, but was just shocked that it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, um, that that was kind of like your all's off season. I don't I don't think I've missed anything on like your all's off season, but it's pretty chill. Yeah, that was kind of it. Um, and then yeah, going into this year, there is a lot of excitement. So as we talked about, you know, kind of like your all's core and just a little more excitement in Orlando this year, especially with a number one overall pick and the other pieces around. And we've mentioned the depth Uh, with a lot of depth comes who's going to play. And so, you know, when, when you're looking at this team's depth chart and kind of like some lineup stuff this year, you know, first, I'm just going to start off with who would you expect to start going into the year? Yeah, um, I would be really surprised. Oh, what happened? I cut you off real quick. Oh, you're good. Okay. <laughs> I'm not in the magic community, but it, right. if I told you a starting lineup, I want you to tell me how you feel about it. Oh, okay. And how you would want and how you'd maybe change it up since you're, I would think going into next year, just me personally, 
Fultz, Gary Harris, Franz Wagner, Paolo, and Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, that would be the one that I would put my money on as far as who's going to be starting this year. The only, I would say the only position up for debate is two uh, yeah. with Gary. I think that could be any of Cole Suggs or Gary Harris. Um, yeah, right, right. I just, as I expressed earlier, I just think that could be Harris just based on what his skill set looks like. And now it'll allow kind of Franz and Paolo to, to do their thing a little bit more um, as opposed to having like so many ball handlers on the court at the same time. Um, so yeah, that would, that would be my projected lineup by the end of the year that could change. Um, oh, yeah. but Fultz is the one where a lot of like national media would say he might be coming off the bench. And I think there's pretty much like a 0% chance that he's not starting a point guard next year. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was, like, yeah, he was fantastic last year. I feel like, and, he, I feel like he's great for that spot and like what they mm-hmm. like, yeah. you know, it's not like, you know, I think with the new front court after the addition of Paolo, Mm-hmm. that's going to be the heftier load of the scoring in turn. Right. And so you need more of a facilitator at the one and mm-hmm. Fultz gives you exactly what you Perfect. need. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my thing, I guess with Harris was just like, I wasn't like, he probably wasn't my first pick to potentially have in the starting five. And I'm, I'm a cleaning the glass guy. So shout out <laughs> to cleaning the glass, but I was just looking through some lineups with you guys and your top three, lineups last year in terms of like differential and points per possession mm-hmm. Gary Harris was in all three and so I was like okay like I mean I know Gary <laughs> a good basketball player and yeah I it'd be great if somebody traded for him but like I was just kind of sitting back and thinking about it and I was like you know if this team does have more winning aspirations next year I don't see why he couldn't mm-hmm. play that two position considering there's no lock there yeah 100% he just makes sense like roster construction wise. Um, and he's really consistent, man. Like he's really solid, plays good perimeter D can hit the three. He's awesome from the corner, um, which is really fun to watch him like hunt out those corner, uh, three point shots. Um, he can get to the rim a little bit. Like he's pretty, he's just kind of solid and competent at everything, which is more than you could say about some of our other guys that we had playing a lot of minutes last year. So it makes a lot of sense that he was, he was a helpful guy. Like he, he doesn't really do anything wrong and he's a good shooter. I mean, he's a solid, like high thirties, low forties, three point shooter. And like, if he's hitting threes like that, it's just really valuable to give everybody else that space. Like we talked about. Yeah. Um, And then the front court, you know, um, mentioned how Paolo slides in there. Now I think Mm -hmm. the court is easily solidified in terms of who, who starts and plays the majority of the minutes there. Now, I didn't really know what was going to happen with Mo Bamba in the offseason, but they did re-sign him. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you think he kind of fits into all this as they go into next season? Only because, like, he's not taking Wendell's playing time as of right. right unless something crazy happened. And it's not like he's going – it's not like we're going to see as many of those. Like, they went to a lot of two big combos last mm-hmm. year, uh, Wendell and Mo but you're not going to see that as much since Paolo slides in there now and how they almost say love Franz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Jonathan Isaac is going to be back in yes. the fold too. Yeah. Um, it's another one. Yeah. yeah. We all do. <laughs> 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 yeah. He's been out of our consciousness for, for a while now, but he is back. I mean, they're saying he's going to play. Um, so that's the thing. Yeah. With Mo, it's a little, it's a little weird as far as, I mean, he's going to be like a true backup five, which means he can maybe squeeze 12 to 15 minutes a night in. I wouldn't be shocked if it, or I would be shocked. I suppose if it, that if it would be more than that, 
um, cause his versatility is just oh, not quite the level of pretty much any of the other guys of like, at least like Wendell can kind of slide down and Jonathan Isaac can play four or five or three. Um, so yeah, but I mean, Mo's, Mo's good as a backup five. I think that's where that's kind of his destiny right now. Like he can shoot pretty well. Like he's a pretty solid spot of yeah. shooter. Some of the rim defense stuff I think is a little inflated because Wendell was sort of doing everything oh, <laughs> defensively yeah. and allowing Mo to just sort of roam around and be long, which he can, you know, he can block some shots and like he's a little inconsistent motor wise and um, can be a little soft in there when mixing it up with the stronger guys. But I think he's a, he's very qualified or maybe even slightly overqualified as just like a 15 minute a night backup. Um, so I'm excited to kind of see him. I hope he buys into the role. Um, and, and really give something to the team. And then, but my hope is that Isaac is really that, like he can play 30 minutes a night, backing up three through five. Like we can yeah, go small yeah. with him at five. He's a great rim protector. At least he was <laughs> two and a half years ago when he played. Um, but then he could kind of slide up and down the lineup and we can go jumbo with like Fultz at the one and then just go Franz, Isaac, Paolo, oh. Wendell, and just have like a, a lot of skill on the court still, but everybody is six ten except for Fultz. Um, yeah, that's, and that's not some undersized guard either. Yeah. Yeah. He's like a solid, like six, three, six, four and built. And like, that would be crazy. And I think they can, like Franz can, can play guards really well. He spent like 40% of his time guarding uh, ones and twos last year. So um, I could really see that being a, coming into play, but yeah, Moe's weird. He'll, he'll be, he might get lost in the mix a little bit would be, would be my guess, but it's nice to have the depth as far as like, we've had such bad injury luck too. It'll just, it's just nice to have competent players um, who can step up and fill in if Wendell goes down, like he's the closest thing to a true center we have. So I think he's really like Wendell insurance at this point. Yeah. And I mean, I, I definitely think that Mo is like, if, like you said, if he buys into it, I do think he is probably one of the better backup centers in the entire league to have just as your true backup five. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I wanted to ask that because you already kind of saw whenever you kind of deep dive into, like, how did lineups go with Wendell at the five? <laughs> and you already see how good those tended to be compared mm -hmm. to others. And so now knowing that they have – good forwards to put with him you knew that you're not going to see much of the double right play. um you know actually like i have it pulled up right here um last year when you took wendell at the five and just had franz on the court mm -hmm. um they had some lineups uh but just in general uh as like i said as long as wendell was five and franz was on the court uh, almost 1100 possessions and 86th percentile in the entire league of lineups in points per possession, 81st percentile in point differential. Wow. So, you know, that's very promising to see considering the Magic won 22 games and that's <laughs> right. almost 1,100 possessions that you still have something like that. Mm -hmm. And also with – I need to go adjust it just really quick. But when you went a fourth, it won't be – I mean, I guess you could maybe consider it, but since Paolo's there now – but mm -hmm. when we went four or five combo of Wendell and Franz. It was even slightly better than just having Franz on the floor. Simply it was 92nd mm -hmm. percentile in points per possession and 86th wow. percentile in point differential. So just to, just, just to see that and knowing Paolo is coming in, like I said, there's not going to be as many double bigs, but it, this is a potentially just good basketball team. And that may not even mean making the playoffs. Like maybe the East right. is just 
there's a lot of talent and you just don't get out of the play in. But like there's definitely some stuff to be excited for and just competing. Just in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh I we've touched on it a few times, but I just think that the biggest thing is gonna be the guard play. Mm-hmm. Um and you know what do you think besides like Fultz, like who do you think that next guard that they're really going to look to this year could be? Yeah, it's tricky. And that's, that's the thing. Yeah. Cause Wendell was, was brilliant last year. Like he was, he was spectacular. And when the guys played, like when the good players played, we were really, we would either compete or win a good amount of games. So there's like, I think a, a non-zero chance that we're in that playoff race this year. Um, as far as the second guard goes, that's the thing. I think that's our, our biggest question in general, like long-term. Um, and that might be the one where the answer might not be on the roster right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the hope is that it sucks, right? The hope is that he uh, can just kind of overcome some of those rookie year woes and he's living up to the top five pick that he is. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me because he does even at his peak, he's probably not going to fill that role that we're necessarily looking for at the two, which is like a scoring, like a true shooting guard kind of in that Bradley Beal, Zach Levine, Devin Booker. Like, obviously those guys are all stars, but like in that realm of two guard where um, they can secondary create and like do their thing and hopefully hold their own on defense a little bit, but really they're just out there to like score and score efficiently and score in volume. Um, and that's sort of the piece that we don't have yet. That's what we're missing. I think that's what would put us over the top. That's why there's been, at least from magic fans, there's been some buzz about trying to get Donovan Mitchell. If we could like put a thing together with Suggs and Cole and picks and Jonathan Isaac and kind of just like get Donovan Mitchell in here and then be ready to be good right now. Um, that might be a little quick, uh, as far as where our rebuild is at, but, um, and I'm not sure if Donovan Mitchell's trying to go from Utah to Orlando. Not exactly the most <laughs> exciting, uh, very lateral move there. But uh, I do, I do see and understand the desire to try to pull off a trade that way. Um, I think we're going to be patient this year, and it'll hurt us a little bit for sure to not have someone at the two who can really score. And that's why Gary Harris, I think, is probably going to start anyway, just for the shooting. But if we can get a volume scorer in it too, like long term, that would be pretty special. Um, unless Suggs just kind of really takes off or Fultz turns into if Fultz struggles and like can never get a shooting around and like he might end up getting traded as well, just because his lack of shooting is a limiting factor. So something with the guards is going to happen where we're going to have an established scorer. Uh, I just don't know what maybe Cole turns into that guy. Who knows? He could keep, you know, so two things here, one, just very quickly, just for fun. If you guys were to get in on the Donovan Mitchell sweepstakes, Sure. What would be like a draft capital amount that you'd be comfortable as a fan to get? It definitely depends. If we're doing the kind of like normal package I've seen, which is Isaac for the money uh, and then Cole and Suggs and then X amount of draft picks. I mean, oh man, it's, it's hard. I, they're part of my soul would kind of be really sad to not just like watch this team be the team that's kind of slowly growing and maturing together for a little yeah. bit, but admittedly Donovan Mitchell would be really nice uh, for this roster. We have the defensive infrastructure around him to make it work. Uh, So I don't know. Yeah, probably. I mean, I would probably willing to do like two unprotected picks, honestly, um, in that deal and just kind of, you know, cash it in and see how it goes. It's like, we don't need that many more young 
guys to throw in the mix. We sort of have that core that we're looking for. We have the Wagner and the Fultz and the, and the Palo, obviously Wendell. So it's like, how many more guys can we even fit in here? Yeah. Um, we might as well just get a guy who's already an all-star. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be mad at that. If we started getting into like three, four, <laughs> five, six, like that would, that would start making me a little nervous, but that would, that yeah. would, would kind of eat at anybody, especially because it's one of those things where like, you just never know. And maybe Paolo is the franchise guy. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's just a really good player. And in the scenario where he's just a really good player, you you're need not good enough guy. to yeah. compete even with a Mitchell right. trade. And then it's like, oh my gosh, like yeah, we're screwed. Never actually <laughs> and we don't right. have any of our draft capital. <laughs> right. So that is the fear. Yeah. So I completely understand that. But then I just wanted to ask you like, what do you think Cole Anthony's ceiling is as a player at this point from what we've seen? Yeah. Do, do you do you think truly if you had to answer right now that he is in the long-term plans of the Magic? It's a really interesting dynamic with him uh, as far as long-term planning goes because his personality imprint on the team is very heavy. Like he is kind of this team is acts in his image in a way where it's like he is he is like the defining character on the team but he's also like the sixth best player which is a weird yeah. weird combo i think he thinks he's better than that which <laughs> I, I appreciate <laughs> I, like, <laughs> i'm cool like i like irrational confidence like we need some guys who are willing to just like put up some shots we've had a lot of tentative players throughout my time uh being a fan of orlando so it's cool to see a guy like that but yeah, we saw stretches. I mean, in the beginning of last year, he was super hot. He came out. We were like, oh, my God, is Cole Anthony like the answer? You know, like, is he the yeah. is he the best player on the team? And then it sort of hit a wall and, and the efficiency went down. He had some injury stuff, too. Um, and it wasn't very exciting. I mean, the defense is bad. Uh, it's pretty, it's pretty bad. He can rebound well for a small guard, but the shooting is, it comes and goes. That's the thing. When a guy is taking a ton of tough shots, when they're falling, it's awesome. And when they're not you got to have some other counter, some other way to get easy buckets. And that's where he lacks. He doesn't can't really finish very well. He doesn't really draw fouls very well. Um, so if the shots aren't falling, it's really limiting on, on his value, but he does have an off the dribble shot that nobody else on the team has. So that's the hope is that he can just turn into, well, the hope would be, he could just be like a real shooting guard, like, better than Gary Trent type thing where it's like, yeah. I'm just putting up 20 points a night and like, it's pretty efficient and that's kind of all I do, but sort of like in the realm of what I was talking about, but like a lesser version of any of those like Levine Mitchell guys uh-huh. uh, would be the hope. I don't know if he'll really be able to consistently do that. My thought is he'll probably end up being like a six man type, just like third guard who comes in and sort and of lights I, it up, but I, that's not bad. Yeah. I think he could be really, really good at that type. Of yeah. hundred percent. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see where he falls. Um, you know, I there is probably some there is probably some route out there where he ends up being like this really good prolific scorer. So mm-hmm. so we'll see. I mean, it's definitely yeah, door's not shut on him just yet. Yeah, super young still. That's the thing. Yeah. Like and then last player I want to ask about when it comes to depth chart stuff. And if you want to touch on anybody after I ask about this guy, go right ahead. But where does Chumo Kiki fall in? <laughs> That's <laughs> funny. 
as soon as you're like, if you want to add anyone else, I was like, oh, I haven't talked about Chuma at all. <laughs> so I'm glad you asked. Um, yeah, Chuma's good, man. Like I, I like Chuma. Uh, he's his first year. He was out with the torn ACL. We drafted him with a torn ACL knowing that he would miss the season. Okay. Uh, and rough. then, yeah, so he missed the whole year and now he came back and he's pretty good. Like he's a really nice, like perimeter defender. His shot is a little weird. They like, I don't know what happened, but his, um, uh, his form changed last year and it's very like one handed only like he, really? he just kind of like doesn't even have a guide hand like yeah. touching the ball, which is strange. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know exactly what's going on there. It's mildly concerning, but um, I like him. I mean, when when he was starting to really play in his rookie season, uh, we were like the fan base was super excited about what he could look like as just a two way wing. And then he took a little bit of maybe just a step back as far as like playing time. And he was injured a little bit again too. everybody in the whole team at some point, except for Wagner was injured. Um, so it's weird with him. Cause now the depth chart is coming in and it's just like, all right, well now we have JI coming back and we have Paolo, another guy in the front court. And it's just like yeah. kind of putting a squeeze on some of these guys. But I would say I would highly anticipate him getting minutes over like an RJ um, and probably I could see him getting minutes over like a T Ross if he's still floating around. Yeah. Um, if T Ross is still not playing too well, because he is, he can come in and kind of play two through four, yeah. um, effectively and just be really athletic out there. And like, he's a good player, man, real defensive playmaker, which is something they kind of lack. Uh, J I is the same way, but they didn't have either of them last year. And like, even though Suggs and Franz and Wendell are all really good, solid defensive players, they're not like generating a ton of turnovers or, or blocks, you know, blocks and steals. And that's something that like Chuma can really, he gets his hand on the ball and he has really long arms um, and he just can kind of wreak some havoc. And that's what I think his role is going to be. And then if he's knocking down shots is going to be the difference maker, but he can kind of create, like he has a little, he's not just like a spot up guy. He has a little wiggle, a little bit of dribble drive game, uh, a little bit of like get to his spots, kind of Tobias heresy type vibe. Um, on some of his things it's just they weren't falling a ton last year but uh, if those start falling he can be like a really effective wing in this league like there's there's where or at least i'm pretty high on chuma long term yeah so you know i, I just wanted to ask about almost each individual because i really do think that when you kind of have the infrastructure that you guys have right now which is basically a ton of young guys that almost all of them you could be very optimistic about to an extent mm -hmm. and so that's always good to look at because you know that you're going to hit on enough of them. A couple. Yeah, for <laughs> yeah. sure. And you know, like it, it it's not going to be all, you know, like if we went down the roster, it's not going to be all 10 or 11 guys that we've just talked about, mm -hmm. but it's going at minimum, you're, you're going to see maybe four that like mm -hmm. really hit that that's really like, stick. Right. A really good player. So that's definitely what's exciting to look forward to for you guys. You know, I, I'm, I'm a league pass guy, like most guys. And, and I like, the magic have never been on my rotation. <laughs> yeah. I will Me say, either. Really. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say like after the all-star break, they just kind of caught my eye. And like, I was kind of, I caught myself watching a lot of Orlando magic games post all-star break this year. Mm -hmm. And I, I really fell in love with watching Wendell Carter jr. Play basketball. As yeah. Well. He's good. So, so they're a team that honestly are probably higher on my league pass watchability rankings or whatever than probably most teams going into next year um but i think it's justified and you know with that being said what are your expectations for this team next year just kind of broadly you know and sure. um, do you think that it's more of a i know we're emphasizing the winning thing more 
but do you think it's more of a playoff push or or try to make some noise in the play-in? Or do you think it's like kind of like what a lot of people think the Thunder will do this year, mm-hmm. which is be better? But it's very intriguing with this Victor and Scoot sweepstakes to where they this is maybe the last year that they want to be involved with trying mm-hmm. to buy a lottery pick. Yeah, I think I think we're gonna have some elasticity as far as our willingness to kind of go for it or not based on how we're doing, frankly. Um, if injuries are piling up again and things aren't going super well, like I, I could definitely see us just like shutting it down and be like, hey, one more, let's take yeah. one more trip around <laughs> the lottery, kind of see what we could do. Hopefully the bulls like are horrible and we can have two more lottery picks and then we'll go for it. <laughs> um, but I fully expect Orlando to be competing for a playing spot. I think that's the destiny of this team. I think high 30 wins is super achievable. Um yeah. Very, very achievable. Start flirting with 40, maybe if things are starting to break a little bit right. Um, and that's the hope. I think we could be right there, like Charlotte minus Miles Bridges. Like, I think we're probably like arguably better, probably better than them. Um, and then like New York, they're okay. I think we can compete with them. Um, and like those are the teams, like, because Indiana is going to be bad. They're going to tank. Uh, Detroit's going to be bad, even though they're young and exciting. Like, the whole team is 19. Like, there's yeah. no way. They're going to be very good next year. Um, so that like bottom of the East isn't super great. Um, so I think we could be right in there. Like hopefully the, the hope would be like kind of in that competing with Atlanta, like in that nine, eight seed range. And then you got to just try to win some playing games. Um, and I think we can fully do that when, Like I said before, when our guys were healthy and playing, we were good last year and we're going to be better. We have Paolo, we have J.I. coming back. Whatever we get from him is icing on the cake. Um, and we're going to have... Franz being year two instead of year one. We're going to have Suggs being year two instead of year one. We're having Fultz having his first fully healthy summer of his entire career. He's been injured every single offseason. He's finally able to actually just work on his game. Uh, he should be even better uh, than we saw at the end of last season on his minutes limit. So I think this team's going to really compete. They have defenders across the board. They have depth. They have some scoring. The scoring's not going to be elite, but it's going to be hopefully good enough to win a lot of games um, and and squeak into the playoffs. That's the hope. If it falls apart, I think we'll be totally fine with punting till next season. And then it'll kind of next year will be like, yeah. hey, all right, if we don't start winning games, like people are getting traded. But I think for now, we're OK with just sort of riding it out, see how the young guys do. So we got long term and hopefully win some as we do that. Yeah. And I mean, I like what you said about, you know, they got some scoring options and it it really doesn't have to be one of the more elite offenses in the league, because I think what's kind of being forgotten here is that this team, what they accomplished in the second half of the year last year Mm -hmm. and also coming back has the potential to be a very, very good defense. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you can pair an average offense with a top 10 defense, that's a great recipe for success. Yeah, that was the Cavs last year. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I do think, that, that like you touched on, you know, there's teams that you can clearly say that you're better than. And there's also some that, you know, maybe things fall your way. Mm-hmm. And I think that the play in for you guys is a win win scenario going into next year, because like if you make the play in and you don't get out of it, you are it's a game or two games that honestly are probably some good it's not not play mm-hmm. it's not a playoff experience type game but it is a next <laughs> close step. yeah <laughs> next step. yeah and it's good experience for the players nonetheless and you're also retaining a lottery pick at that point mm-hmm. and i mean if you guys were to sneak into the playoffs or get in you're still looking at a pick that's probably going to be like right at mid right. first round it's right. not going to be late first round 
and they're going to get at least it at bare minimum four playoff games under their belt that will pay mm-hmm. off super like valuable anybody so mm-hmm. I, I think it's exciting but um steven really do appreciate you man really enjoyed the conversation fun time with you definitely will stay connected and would absolutely love to have you back on sometime in the future yeah absolutely thank you for having me on yeah whenever we're uh dominating playoff series next year just uh, give me a call i'll hop back on the pod <laughs> for sure well with that being said this is the end of episode 21 of the Coast to Coast podcast see you guys later